So, have you ever done this thing? Uh, it's, it's kind of a Mr. Bean thing to do, but, like, it, did you guys ever watch Mr. Bean? A little bit. A little bit? Okay. I saw no. Mr. Bean Goes to Rome. I don't think you did. Mr. Bean Home Holiday? What's it called? Mr. Bean's Holiday? Mr. Bean's Holiday. I yes. saw it in the basement. Mr. Bean, uh, where uh, Shirley stole his bike, right? Shirley? <laughs> That's Pee Wee. That's Pee Wee. It's <laughs> Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> Did Shirley steal Pee Wee's bike? I think so. Neighbor Shirley? And Shirley's a boy? Yeah. Okay. So what does Mr. Bean do? <laughs> He'll sometimes do this thing where he, like, picks someone out at random, like, if he's at a store, and he, like, gets into competition with them. And I find I do that sometimes, like, if I'm walking towards um, a store or, or, like, a restaurant especially, and I think, I can beat that person in here. I'll, I'll speed up mm. so that I can be... So... One day, I was in the store, and nothing was going right for me. Like, everything was a failure. The The bag broke. Like, I didn't have the right change. Everything was wrong. And there was this elderly woman who was also there, and everything she did was perfect. Like, she, I, I saw her checking out, and I was like, oh, she's using her debit card. That's going to take a while. And she had the tap pay mm-hmm. thing, and she did wow. it. was like, boom. And then, like, she had her bag, and she was, like, out the door. And then when I got outside, she was... <laughs> parked right next to me and, and I, like I said my bag broke and my stuff is rolling around and she put everything in the back of her car got in her car and drove off and like my seatbelt stuck <laughs> I wasn't like I hadn't picked her out to do like that I can beat her at this but I do do that sometimes but I hadn't picked her but then as she pulled away I was like oh my gosh she picked me like right. she's like I'm gonna That's beat that girl and she did that was everything she did was perfect and I was a mess, and I was just... You shouldn't try to compete with the elderly. Yeah? Well, usually I do choose the elderly because I know I can beat them. But this, this, this was girl. like... She was just had that... <laughs> An even match, <laughs> you're thinking. <laughs> pick out someone your own age. Yeah, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, I was. <laughs> so, yeah. I was really proud of her, and, uh, you know, it was like... It was respects. Well, FOI, if you're listening... Uh... <laughs> You're in for a beatdown. <laughs> so now I think I'm just going to, like, target babies in, you know... Well, that's in, I, uh, wouldn't, I wouldn't vocalize that. Carriages and stuff. <laughs> Watch out. If you're under five, <laughs> drop it an elbow. Problem is, babies don't usually have the correct change. Babies usually don't understand the world of economics. But I know, but neither do I. So, again, evenly matched. Except Boss Baby. Yeah, well, Boss Baby is... Legit. <laughs> For those at home, Zach dabbed as he said legit. For those of you at home, he didn't. <laughs> he totally did. He didn't. Who are you going to tr- trust? Me, who's never told a lie, or Josh, who <laughs> ate See, two pieces of pie earlier this week? <laughs> that, did he dab Charlotte? You're, is the, it, you're the one who breaks the tie. Wait, why is it that lying and eating pie go together? Also, uh, when did I eat pie? <laughs> there he goes again. <laughs> Did you see Zach dab when he said legit? Uh, if I knew what dabbing was, then I can answer that question. This. Yes, I know what it is. <laughs> oh, you're just trying to pretend. Well, she is part of the elderly. So. That's right. She's part of the elderly. She's one, I, one in the statistics. I did a really cool thing the other night, which made, which made me feel both youthful and elderly, is every time I got an answer correct in Jeopardy, I dabbed. <laughs> How did that in any way make you feel youthful? Uh, the dab is I don't think dabbing is qual- qual- uh, qualified. Well, some anymore. kids do it ironically because they think of how lame it is. And isn't yeah. that like so 2008 or something? Yeah, that's why they do it ironically. Okay. It's not 2008, it's like 2020. 
Was what? it 20? It was a little earlier than that. Eh, it wasn't 2008. It was like no, it was two later or three than eight. It was like ago. maybe 2008 is a lot longer. Nah, ago it was than I really... it Was Thrift Shop on? No. Okay. <laughs> it was after Thrift Shop. So it was. That's how Josh judges all it, time. It was, it was, he's like, when did I graduate? Was Thrift Shop on? I graduated pre-Thrift Shop. Well, for those of you who listen to for our one and a half fans that listened to On the Road with Josh and Zach. We tried to trick our listeners into thinking we had recorded one of the episodes back in 2017 by saying our favorite song was Thrift Shop. <laughs> but I don't know when Thrift Shop came out. I don't Do either. you remember when Thrift Shop was popular? I could look it up. You go, okay. D- does anyone care? I do. Someone does? Because this has come up twice now. Oh, okay. Let's take bets. It didn't come up. You brought it 2014. up. 2014. <laughs> 2014. Let's see. What do you say, Sean? 2016. Well, I have a pretty good guess, too, but I'm looking <laughs> at it. It was, and surprisingly, you know- 2012. <gasps> wow, even earlier than I thought. Wow. Yeah. So I was 13. So look up wow. when dabbing was invented. <laughs> when it was invented. So I'll say, when was it popular? When was dabbing popular? Oh, boy. 2015. Okay, so there was a bit of a. Uh, there was a okay. bit of a probably a bit uh, of a. So it started. Wait. It's dabbing became a thing because football players would do it after they scored a touchdown. Uh, okay, they would like get, do the touchdown. They throw the football down and dab, dab at the same uh-huh. time, and that's why it became popular. Okay, but it went on. Oh, so when did dabbing die out? Was 2018? It hasn't. Uh, the answer, no. The answer is me and Josh are continuing the saga. <laughs> So, are are you using Google or Bing? I'm using Google. Okay. Would you like me to use Bing? No. Okay, let me We did want to address that on the podcast. (laughs) We had a fan come to us the other day with tears in their eyes saying that they preferred Bing over Google and that they wanted to to give us, they wanted us to give it a try because Bing gives you more rewards. I really wish that you would have told that story as in Bing came to us and asked us to use their search engine on the podcast and they would give us... Anything we asked for and we still refuse. No. <laughs> no, we're good. We'll continue with Anchor as our Spotify. We will give you $100,000 every time you bing something. And it's like, sorry, can't do it. The thing is, we are so we are so tightly bound to Anchor that I can't imagine being a sponsor for anyone else. The thing is, is that <laughs> uh, we don't know how to put our, these podcasts on Spotify other than using Anchor. So we can't. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Good old anger. Speaking of uh, fans, I wanted to clarify something. Last time, uh, I told a little. Oh, do story. you have to apologize for something again? Yes, yes, but it's not to me this time. No, it's to a. Ooh. It's to a fan. Is it to me? This is nice. No, it's to a fan. I'm a fan. No, you're not. You've never <laughs> listened to a single episode. What's the podcast called? <laughs> uh, come to the house where we do it. Yep. That's what I usually tell them when we do it. Last time, last time, I told a story about. A fan who told us that, who told me that the fact that we saw Florence Foster Jenkins opening night was not cool. I didn't give all the context of that story. Uh, First off, this was in a stage of my life, which was one weekend, where I decided that I was going to be cool now. And so everything (laughs) I said was, would a cool person do that? Which was probably getting pretty annoying by this point, which was probably the first day. And also, I sent... I sent the poster of Florence Foster Jenkins out of nowhere in the conversation and said, me and Zach saw this opening night. 
And so they, as a joke, said, that's not very cool. And then I came here on the podcast. And I was like, like, can like, you believe someone like would say that? So I'm sorry to that fan. I'm sorry to Meryl Streep. <laughs> I just, I just want to say, looking back, that's a great memory because we felt like you know, adults at that time because we were house sitting and we were like, we can go to the movies late at night. And yeah. We don't have to ask our parents to see if we can go. <laughs> and we were like, what are we going to see? Florence you know, Foster Jenkins. Foster Jenkins. It's out. <laughs> we were both like, that looks awesome. Because I was, <laughs> and then we got beat up in the parking lot. <laughs> I was on a Meryl Streep kick and Zach would uh, join me. And I didn't really think he was enjoying any of the movies that much besides we both loved Doubt. But I watched the. Uh, I How can watched, you not? I watched the Iron Lady without Zach and told him about it later, and I might as well have stabbed him literally in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I for months would not let him live down the fact that he watched that movie without me, and it, despite not, the fact I had no interest in it. <laughs> it's not a very good Meryl movie. I mean, she's good at it. It's just not that good of a movie. Yeah, Iron mm-hmm. Lady, Margaret Thatcher one. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said the Iron Giant. You know, like the Iron Giant. Iron Giant's pretty good. I've never seen it. How about Iron Man? I've seen it, but I don't, you know. Yeah. I like other movies more. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, ask me about any of them. Do you like uh, The River Wild more than Iron Man? I I think it's more scary. <laughs> yeah. I had a dream last night. Act- actually, actually had a dream last night. Last night that Robert Downing Jr. When did you had have this dream? Last night. Literally <laughs> last night. Robert Downey Jr. had played a cop in a movie, and he thought he was an actual cop, and like saved like his badge and stuff, and thought that he was an actual cop, and kept trying to like get me to do like undercover things, like okay, go get, I need you to go get this USB drive, and don't let anybody have it. And I'm like, RDJ, you're not a real cop, but he thought he was. But of course, because he asked me, of course I did it. But right, obviously. I mean, <laughs> now you're a cop. As talented as RDJ is, I don't think he's the type of actor that is going to lose his mind over how well he's performing. No, which I which I love about him that he's like no, he I does want, something. I and, want the insanity. Like, you know, Iron Man, whatever. Which one's best? I don't know. But the one where he was having panic attacks, that was extremely, extremely accurate. As someone who has panic attacks, I think it was three. It's the one that yeah, everybody yeah, hates. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, it was like, oh my gosh, yeah. he is so amazing as an actor. Yeah. But yeah, he, he doesn't like take these things on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that, that was scene. very realistic. Um, but yeah, he doesn't like because when you see him like off set, it's like, like he doesn't like stay in character. No, no. Like two seconds after the camera goes off, he's like, "What's for lunch?" And some uh, some actors when they do that, like I understand. Like for instance, I like the story that Danny DeVito stayed in character as the penguin off camera. Yeah. Because that just seems like the ultimate like irritation to the crew. That he's so <laughs> disgusting and nasty in between. But also right. how hard it is to get back into that. And character. I don't I don't feel like one way is like some people are like, oh how how could you be so method or how could you be so whatever? I don't think one way's better than the other. I think this if you want to stay in character the whole time, fine. Like, okay, you finally got that accent right. Don't go back to speaking yeah. normally because you're gonna lose it. Or if you want to like Break character all the mind. time. Whatever, that's fine. Yeah, just you know, keep it in its proper place. Because imagine if RDJ lost his mind over playing Doctor Doolittle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been unfortunate. And Eddie Murphy's like, "Hello, I warned you." <laughs> Welcome to Don't Drink the Tea, uh, the podcast where we rank RDJ's roles from best to worst. <laughs> I am Josh, King of the Rat People. <laughs> I am Zach, Lord of the Skybirds. Don't make me do this. And she is Charlotte, Queen of Improv. I was going to say, <laughs> I was gonna say Mistress of Pie. I actually had one. 
Well, then why did you panic? I know, but after, because I always panic after Lord of the Rat People and and Skybirds. No, I, you were King, King of, of the, the Rat, Rat people. people. I was Lord of the Skybirds, right? Which is different than and like ostriches. Just let the record show that I had something, and let the record show it. that you were tardy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's still there. there was a delay. Get it in time. There was a delay. Uh, this week we have read a book by Agatha Christie. That yeah, I know it's so weird, but oh, it, boing. Sorry. <laughs> very nice tie-in though with. Earlier, you were explaining the Forrest Foster Jenkins debacle, which I felt was really convoluted and difficult to follow, but <laughs> very true to life, and oh, that yes. is exactly how I feel about this book. <laughs> I agree. Even the title is a little hard to follow. This book is which called... Which title? Take your pick. This book is... Is this the only Christie book that has three titles? I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it's the I only think Christie. it's definitely the first one that we've done that has three titles. Many well, of if you count, two. then there were none. Technically has like True. four, but, but but this one like has like three upon release. I feel like yes, because uh, you have one two buckle my shoe, an overdose of death, which is my copy, and the patriotic murders, which is my copy. And I feel like none of those titles are good. I don't like any of those titles. Which is your favorite of the three? Um, one two buckle my shoe, just because shoes don't have buckles anymore, and I think it's really antiquated. Girl shoes, mate. <laughs> Yeah, but nobody cares about girl shoes, okay? <laughs> I like Vans. <laughs> Converse. Okay. DC shoes. I never thought about that, shoes not having buckles anymore. So this book huh. is outdated. girl shoes. One star, not applicable to the, our day. <laughs> I feel like I like Overdose of Death the best of the three titles, but it's also like so dramatic that it sounds like an SNL sketch murder mystery. An Overdose yeah. of Death. And the patriarchal murders is kind of or, bland. One, two, buckle my shoe. I'll get into why. Um, you might feel the same way about. Um, one, two, buckle my shoe is fine. Like I don't think I think if you know, oh, okay, I'm reading a mystery novel. Yeah. By this name, oh, okay, that's going to be interesting. Um, but it, if it was just a title for something else that you didn't yeah, have the true. respect that it after it it said by Agatha Christie, but I mean the patriotic murders is. I don't know. It's just there is very bland. And an overdose of death, yeah, I agree, just feels like it was a really cheap title. Yeah, but I like it um, the best among the three, and I'll talk about why. I'm, I'm crazy about one, two, Your cover's two. weird. My cover? Really disturbing. So my cover has a jack-in-the-box puppet type thing, which I don't know how that relates to the book in the With slightest. a really, not any at all, with a really horrific face. There's dentures, which is because the it's, there's a dentist in it, yeah. uh, a bullet because the guy shot, and there's a tarantula in it, and I kept wondering <laughs> why that was in it, and the only reason is is because because of how the case is going, Jap says that Poirot's oh, going to get yes. a spider in a box. That was a really funny line, because I like that line. But it's like line. literally a joke that's not in the plot, and they put a spider on the cover of the that's book. That's a stupid reason to put that Definitely. on the cover and it's a really scary spider and it bothers me i'm sorry i'm gonna cover it up <laughs> but my cover is just the silhouette of bar which you hate these yeah but in the background there is um like a dentist mirror the little tiny mirror on the stick um which always tap your teeth and i hate that mm. and why can't yeah. we use plastic instruments i don't care throw them out afterwards you don't need to sterilize them yeah but then turtles are gonna snort them don't put it, well, don't put them in the ocean. You can't stop me. Bury them underground, and then also there's. I got a truckload of dental care. We have to take to the ocean by the end of this week. I weekend. got a dump truck full of, full of little mirrors and little scrapers. I'm dumping in the ocean. We're going to the right beach. at the turtle we're section, right back home. The turtle section. They're like, this is where the baby turtles come out. Beep, beep, beep. Moving to lose it. And 
why is there a stick of dynamite? Is the other thing on here? Stick of dynamite. I because because Jap says you're gonna get a uh, spider or dynamite, doesn't he? I don't think so. I think it was just. I thought he said both. Like poison tarantula or something. But it's, yeah, it is silly to put like a one because I remember that gave a memory. A memory came back to me where it was. I think it was Murder of Roger Ackroyd or Murder at the Vicarage, where Lauren was talking about there was a cat on her cover. And we were like, that's so stupid. And then she talked about how it talked about, like, Sneaky as a cat several times in the book. Oh. I feel like, because there are so many different covers of Christie's books, which I love, because I would love to collect all of them. But I feel like the, in order to make everyone's unique, sometimes they're not going by anything in the plot whatsoever. Yeah, and or, or like someone picked up the book, opened to one page, and read that, and goes... <laughs> right. This Spatter. is what that's all about. And yeah. this this edition Spatter. is uh, is cool too because oh I found it. Go ahead. Go, no, you go. Ahead. Oh, uh, Poirot said that he was going to to pursue the case to the death, and Jab said, "Don't let it be your death, old boy. If this business goes on uh, as it has begun, someone will probably send you a poisoned tarantula by post." Which doesn't make any sense. Cause that would mean the spider would be dead unless they live like if it was store. a poisoned tarantula. <laughs> No, a poisonous not, It doesn't say poisonous, well, which Jap- also is, is a misnomer. It's, it's not poisonous. It's venomous. Thank you very much. Yes. Yeah, but it's um, Jap. But no, I know. But it doesn't say a poisonous tarantula. It says poisoned, as in someone poisoned the spider and then sent it to Poirot and said, Jap. figure out who did this. But it's Jap. Yes. Um, it, it, I se- actually... it seemed to work in From Burma with Love. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows what you're referencing. Um, <laughs> you do, and that's all that matters. Exactly. This edition. I of, like Jap in this I'm one. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. I, I, I interrupted you that town. I do too. Uh, that and town? Did, did you know that this is Jap's last book? <gasps> yeah. No. And I like that he. I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself, but he kind of takes on the role of Hastings, sort of. He's not the narrator, mm-hmm. but he is the sidekick. And it's funny because, you know, Jap is. It's not that he's stupid. Because, you know, in most mystery books, the detectives are stupid. Jap's not stupid, but he's very straightforward, he's very professional, and he's very, these are the facts. Right. And not like a deep thinker or an abstract thinker. So, when he isn't, when he thinks Poirot's being an idiot or being crazy, it's not as annoying as Hastings because it's his profession, and that's how, Mm -hmm. it kind of reflects how I feel like it actually would be. Right, because I like to fill in the gaps like surrounding like especially in this book and that was one of the things I wrote down the timeline was really interesting it wasn't like Poirot's in a house with all the suspects for a weekend and he has to solve the case this this goes takes like months the the arc of time is is Mm -hmm. like months and so you have to think about like what where like Jap and Poirot intersect in the storylines all that other time all the other cases that Jap is doing is all normal stuff like he says like oh this guy made a mistake Killed a patient and then offed himself. Like, that was yeah. just his... That, of course, would be the first thing. That he like, yeah, I don't think Jeff's stupid. No, neither do I. Um, this edition of the book, before we get into the plot, is cool because... So, at, at the front, it has written in it, Kathy Buckley was the person who owned it. And here's what they wrote. Shout out, Kathy Buckley. Yeah, they wrote, This book was okay. When I was writing this, it was 7.01 p.m., Sunday, 1983, the 10th. I'm watching Ripley's Believe It or Not. And then in, in, in the middle of it, uh, they, they reference, or, or the um, they talk about the place where the dentist lives, which is 58 Queen, Queen Charlotte, Charlotte Street, Street, and they wrote, I've been there. But they only oh. said that after page 104, when we've already seen it 3,000 times. <laughs> and at the very back of the book, kind of makes me feel bad, on uh, 4.10.83, it says, When I die, I leave this book to my friend Carolyn Brady. Wherever she may be, I know how much she loves Agatha Christie, Kathy Buckley. And Aww. I feel bad because I have this book. So, uh, Carolyn Brady, 
wherever you are, if you want this back, it's in rough shape. <laughs> they're they're both dead. <laughs> eighty three is not that long ago. You we, you don't know how old they were. You want to know? They were both ninety. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Okay, so it's Kathy Buckley. Yeah. Okay, because t- across the top is written. Katarin without an H, and then and then Buckley on the side. It makes me feel like she was. Oh, okay. It makes me feel okay. like she was young. Okay. Especially the way she says, so, "I'm watching Ripley's Believe It or <laughs> no, Not." No, no, ninety nine. <laughs> um, okay, maybe. So I've been there. So that's really weird. Do you think she was like that? Was that book is like from England? I don't know. It has a like. It has a vibe like that. Or so do you which, think she was lying to you? I think she may have just <laughs> written this to lie with me. Um, I can't. So, which one was the American title and which one was the. the. this title? I believe. I can look it up. Um, I can't for the life of me remember where I got this edition of the book. Because I thought that you had given it to me, but you hadn't. No. Um, Because my enjoyment or my. We talked about that last week. The edition of the book you read kind of influences the atmosphere that you experience while you read it. Mm-hmm. And because this book, I have this book, which is like these deep greens, uh, even the sides of the pages are green, I always get a very creepy vibe from this book, mm-hmm. which I feel like is part of the plot too, no matter what I would read. I want to talk about some of the scenes that I think she did a really good job of that with. Yeah. But I think because this edition has the puppet and the spider and teeth on it, it, <laughs> it lends itself to being more creepy than it would have been. Yeah. Um, the U.S. was Overdose of Death. Oh, okay. And um, One, Two, Buckle My Shoe and Patriotic Murders. Um, no, U.S. was Patriotic Murders and Overdose of Death. One, Two, Buckle My Shoe was the original. Okay. U.S. Okay, is it. usually the ones that changed it, and I think something weird. their titles were always stupid. Like, <laughs> the U.S. would usually be like, if it was They Do It With Mirrors, they changed it to Murder With Mirrors. Mm-hmm. The cheaper yeah. version of it so that people knew mm-hmm. that it was a murder mystery. They lose all the subtlety. Like, yeah. as if you wouldn't know. So, really crazy, though. Like, what was that year, 1983, yeah. she was reading that? Yeah, I wasn't even born yet. So, that was wow. ancient. Yeah. Man. I wonder even if that... <laughs> but I liked hearing you say, oh, 83 story. wasn't that long ago. One of you said that. Well, I was trying to... The fact that she had to be dead was sex assumption. <laughs> Both so, dead. We haven't talked much about what the book is. Um, so this book is her first book of the 40s, her most prolific era. She writes the most and and the best quality, most say, of her mm-hmm. novels. This is the start of that era. I'd say, I usually say, and then there were not as the start, even though that's 39. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the start of her big boom of writing so right. much. Um, this book comes right after Sad Cypress, and I think you can tell, because Sad Cypress is... Um, plot second, character first. Mm-hmm. This book is the other way. It's mm-hmm. plot, it's very puzzle-driven, much like um, books that, I'm trying to think of books that were more about the puzzle, like Murder on the Links. Mm-hmm. Um, books where uh, the common criticism of this book would be, because I read reviews at the time, most were positive, but a lot were, were said that the prose was too simple and that the characters were uh, underdrawn. And I understand that. Uh, yeah. of, the, of this book but I also to give her credit this is I feel like that was her intent when she wrote it she was writing right she was writing for the puzzle this is a puzzle book rather than a uh, character driven book like Sad Cypress because she did that very well in Sad Cypress mm-hmm. and then this book she's she's kind of showing off because that one was also so simple the plot of that doesn't really have a whole lot of twists and turns but this mm-hmm. book is the opposite of that yeah um, this one is very I wouldn't even use the word complex. The only word I can use is convoluted. And 
Um, yeah. yeah. And there's also, of course, Suchet uh, did this one. David Suchet Movie did this person, one. Yeah. yeah. Which was also, they tried to make it really creepy. Which, to me, I don't get it. I don't get any creep vibe from this at all. Or I like, always have. With, I can see with the cover, like you yeah. would think. I, I don't even think I would pick that cover up because of the spider. But <laughs> <laughs> it does have that, ooh. Like the, and I... Can see where it would be like oh a, a rhyme and in the in the yeah. TV version they try to make the little kids creepy like the song we, <laughs> I had the subtitles on when I watched it just because the subtitles are on on yeah. on my uh, settings and so it was like eerie giggling yeah <laughs> <laughs> was the explanation for when the little girls were like one two and you you guys did that a lot when you were kids I don't know if you remember that I don't remember that oh gosh you guys would go one two buckle my shoe like out randomly you would just be doing do something and then you that. would just just start singing that <laughs> we were in that movie yeah so yeah um I guess we should probably talk about what it's actually about instead yeah. of the way we feel about it. We let's, usually... talk about, let's talk about the, the book. Uh, so the plot of this book, it starts out... I think this book has a very strong first half. Um, it starts out with uh, Poirot going to the dentist. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's kind of how the story starts. This one uh, is third person, uh, her narration where we go into a bunch of people's heads. And it mm-hmm. starts with little short vignettes. Uh, about each character and she she has again she's evolved so much i think in these last few books i think even though the characters aren't very deep in this book she tells you so much about these characters in a little chunk of time Mm -hmm. we're kind of seeing each characters we see miss sainsbury seal who's like this fussy uh kind of scatterbrained middle-aged woman mr ambariotis who is um a Greek um, businessman who's yeah. in town. And and it kind of all converges on, okay, these are all the people who had to go to the dentist this exactly. day. Right. There's the financier, Alistair Blunt. Right. Who is like, he's kind of has a pol- pol- politician's vibe about mm-hmm. him. He's famous. And, and this is, the we know, the patriotic murders. This is Christie's most political book. She that's what really I get... read on the, the, uh, the official site. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I never... I just, it seemed like it was just there naturally in conversation. I never thought yeah. that it was like a central part of the book. Is that your laptop or is that the air conditioning? That is the heater. Okay. Uh, I thought it was this laptop fan kicking up into the microphone. Uh, is no. that too much noise? No, it's fine. I mean, as long as it wasn't, if it's not avoidable, that's fine. Yeah, it explodes. It's off. Um, I don't know that I would have... That sounds so much nicer. I don't know that I would have picked up on it being her most patriotic um, without reading that too. But she doesn't usually get political beyond the character's dialogue. And the politics of this book kind of weigh pretty subtly on the twist, on characters' motivations. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more when we talk about it in the plot. But I got it more whenever someone said that to me. Because Christy yeah. doesn't usually give her own viewpoint, and I don't feel like she necessarily does in this either. Well, good, no, because she's presenting both sides. Exactly. But it weighs more on people's minds in this one. And also, this is, you know, uh, World War II era. Right. Um, like, this, right before the start. Of right. World this War is II. on everybody's mind. The rise. Right, exactly. The rise of what was going to happen. And this is when she writes the most. When, right, Like you said last time, when everybody else was uh, not writing because of this horrific things that were going on in the world. Do you need any help? No. I'm looking for a pen. <laughs> so all these people converge uh, into going into the dentist, and this book I thought had the greatest line, one of my favorite Christie lines ever. It says, 
there are certain humiliating moments in the lives of the greatest of men. It has been said that no man is a hero to his valet. To that may be added that few men are heroes to themselves at the moment of visiting their dentist. Yep. I love that line because Poirot <laughs> is terrified of the dentist. Yeah. And a couple other things they said. Uh, the door closed behind Poirot with the quiet remorselessness of unalterable doom. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Christy hates a dentist just as much as Poirot does because, and I think that's why it starts off with this creepy vibe because when you go to the dentist in a book or in a movie, it is always creepy because it's creepy in real life, but it's played up so much in a book or movie because there's so many things that can go wrong with somebody poking around at your teeth and hurting you, especially back then when it wasn't, we didn't have the same kind of like painkillers or, uh, even the understandings that we have now was a yeah. lot more guesswork, I feel like. So, uh, <laughs> so Something's bad's going to happen. When Poirot you go to the dentist, something's bad. It's gonna he's happen. terrified of this. He's in the waiting room, and he thinks, like, everyone looks suspicious. Everyone looks like a murderer. He says that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he comes out, he's like, oh, I only thought that because I was terrified of the dentist. And as he's walking out, we get the kind of, like, the title of the book moment, which is pretty loose. Uh, a lady comes out of a car, knocks off the buckle off her shoe. Poirot grabs it to help her, and he yeah. meets Miss Sainsbury Seal. Yeah. It's just his introduction to this character. This is the Which is s- kind of funny, because he talks about the shoe, like it was a shiny shoe with a brand new right. buckle, and ooh, she had a nice ankle, she was wearing expensive stockings, and then he's like, oh, the rest of the woman was a bit of a disappointment. <laughs> yeah, was that was, that was a savage burn, and he also, while he's <laughs> in the he's in the waiting room, he sees, is it is it uh, Barnes? He sees a character who, who like kind of gives him a dirty look, and Poirot honestly thinks... And we read his thoughts that some some people would be better off uh, killed as babies. Like, that's <laughs> Poirot's thought as he's looking at like, this guy, I wish he was murdered as a child. And I was like, that is harsh, but I'm uh, glad that you're honest with us. Like, Poirot is, a, is way sassier in, in Overdose of Death than he was in yeah. Sad Cypress. He is, yeah. he, is, he is roasting everybody. Yeah. So he meets the Sainsbury Seal, he helps her. Uh, that's the setup of the book. Poirot goes home. He's called by Jap, who is like the lead uh, policeman of this book, who says that after Poirot's visit with the dentist, the dentist shot himself. Mm-hmm. And, um, and obviously Poirot's not convinced. It's like he, it was in the middle of the day that this happened, like just in the middle like of between appointments. Between appointments, yeah. yeah. There was a lady waiting. That's the only reason that they discovered his body because this lady was like, um, came up and was like, why did you do this? And also, Poirot was like, well, he was seen, like, perfectly pleasant when mm-hmm. I went there. Like, And everybody says, like, I just can't imagine this guy killing himself. Even mm-hmm. his dentist partner is like, <laughs> I like, they have this conversation where they're like, well, Morley wouldn't have killed himself. If anybody's going to kill himself, it would be me. And Poirot was like, why do you say that? And he's like, well, this is miserable about my life. This is miserable. And they're like... Okay, so what else do you know about this case? Like yeah. nowadays, the cops would be like, "So cry for help." Like, all right, let's let's take care of that. But they were like, "Okay, moving on." <laughs> when the dentist, <laughs> we're not here to talk about the you. The other dentist is like, "No, I should have killed myself. This isn't fair." <laughs> And then later they see him at like, and he's like leaving the country. He's like, "Oh yeah, I don't want to pay my bills, so I'm leaving the country." And he, they're like, "Okay, bye." He was cut out of the movie because he's very unnecessary to have that other dentist. See, that's the thing. There's a. I feel like there's way too many characters. So I it is watched a lot unnecessary. Yeah, I watched the the uh, Suchet version um, with my mom, and when her like criticism when when we, when she was done watching it was like. 
they just had too many characters. And I'm like, yeah, yeah you're right. And there was like four of them missing compared to the book. Yeah. and Because you have, you have Barnes. Right. You have yeah. Barnes, which I liked him in the book, even though he's only in there a little bit. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting the way they tied it up at the end. Um, right. He was a patient. There's the guy who is dating the secretary. Right. Who is... No, no, no. That's the one that is pretty much the exact same character as Rakes. They're, they're the same. Is the problem. It's, it's Frank, Frank Carter. Carter. Frank, Frank Carter, Carter yeah, is yeah. the boyfriend. Yeah, Frank Carter and Rakes are the same. And, and there's Howard Rakes. Right. And... They kind of merged the two characters and then there's, in uh, the movie. Right? Yes, they did. Which was fine. Um, but then there's Alistair Blunt. There's Alistair Blunt's uh, second cousin's niece or something and her daughter, which have no point in the movie... Or in the... Excuse me. In the book whatsoever. Besides... Right. Just extra. Yeah, and then and then her boyfriend, and then the other dentist. Yeah. And oh gosh, there was another the one sister, that was like, um, oh, yeah, the dentist sister, the seal, oh the the maid, Mr. And Mrs. Chapman. Yeah. Um. Oh, Mr. Yes, Mr. And Mrs. Chapman. Yeah, and and so that's why I said I think the first half of this book before it gets overly complicated is really strong because we have all those people in the in the dentist office. The dentist shoots himself. Or so they think. And so they're like, okay, these were the people at the time. Poirot's like, okay, why are you investigating? Why is Jap called to investigate this dentist's suicide? And it's because Alistair Blunt was there and he's like the most important person in the world right now. And they assume that if there was anything, that it was a mistake. Like that it was a it was a targeted thing. Because then the right. Mr. Ambariotis, who was also there... Like as an emergency appointment, he dies the next day, right? And so Before they're thinking, they oh, okay, so maybe the dentist was a, an assassin, and he was trying to assassinate Blunt, but he messed up and assassinated the other guy, right? <laughs> and, then, and then eventually they think that he accidentally killed Ambariotis with too much of an injection, uh, adrenaline and, then, and novocaine, yeah, yeah, and then killed himself because that's what propane. killed Ambariotis was the injection of uh-huh. novocaine, and so we have that he's killed, and then they're like, okay, we need to see Miss Sainsbury's seal. And eventually, they do have a short conversation with her, and she goes missing. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the one of the strongest things about this book, and so maybe this is just me that plays into the the creepy element of this book, is that Miss Sainsbury Seal is missing for about a month, and they eventually find her, and she's in this this uh, is it like a fur a trunk that fur you trunk? store furs in? Yeah, yeah, so it's airtight so that moths right. couldn't get in and eat. And they find her in there, and I, I, this is the only moment that I can think of where Christie Book kind of has this more modern take on finding a body, where it's mm-hmm. like so gross mm-hmm. that people are like throw because wire comes up, and then the the <laughs> landlord is like puking in the other room. Yeah. And but the really cool thing I love about the scene is Barbara walks into the room and her shoe saw is sticking first. out yep. with the buckle, and that yep. is so. Even in the movie, they it's I'm glad they kept it masterful. It yeah. is perfect. That is yeah. such a good moment, and like her face has been horribly disfigured. I think mm-hmm. it's one of the most brutal of all of the Christmas. I had killings. the exact same thought because I because I was reading it and I was like, oh, they made such a big deal over. Uh, Poirot's Christmas where it was supposed to be like oh that was going to be like her quote unquote bloody one which was basically just like when we talked about this on that episode it was just like uh, there was just just a lot of blood in the room blood blood everywhere blood 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 (laughs) Um, but yeah when I read that too I was like wow this is so um, accurate I felt the same way and it it wasn't explained like it it was never overplayed it just said like when Poirot walked in it's like he heard this familiar sound of the guy getting sick in the bathroom, and then yeah. he understood why, and he Classy. saw the foot when he walked. It was it was very well done, and it did yeah. have a modern feel, and that 
I feel like this this whole book, even though it's not like great and all of the things that are kind of criticisms of it, I feel are actually real though how it actually would have happened. Like yeah, the passing yeah. of time. Like it was months and then weeks and then another month that this this plot plays out. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, finding the second body, um you know, there being too many people involved. Like it, it isn't this tight little mystery. All the people they need to go see, go do these right. things, trying to schedule it. Yeah. And, yeah, I feel like the it investigation. It felt like it would have actually gone that way. <laughs> the first time I read it, that's Dead how ends. I felt. Yeah. Even though this book is incredibly hard to figure out. Like I, I read one reviewer where they said like you have to have an IQ of 150 to like figure out everything that goes on in this plot. <laughs> um when I read it the first time I felt like this is one of the Christie's where you actually feel like you you are being taken along the investigation. Mm-hmm. Like you are next to Poirot and Jack. Because you see everything through their eyes. Even mm-hmm. though you have little vignettes with the characters at the beginning. Everything else is with Poirot and Jap. And I kind of... I didn't enjoy that in the Hastings era. Because everything was like subject to their perspective. But with this third person perspective. And having Jap and Poirot balance each other out. I enjoy this more than that era of Christie. Like, even though it's more puzzle-driven, it, it feels... It has an atmosphere to it. It has some more texture than th- those books did earlier on, mm-hmm. I, I thought. Um, there was not a lot of chunks of description or, I think you said, prose at all. It was no. mostly just conversation after yeah, conversation. It's very it's a very pithy book. And <laughs> that was one of the criticisms I saw was somebody... Someone... Uh, one of the contemporary reviews was like, uh, you know, this book has no flavor. It, it's like, it's just like textbook prose. And he's like, and the people, they were criticized, was like, it was just about people dying in horrible ways. It was horrible. But, <laughs> you know, we saw more of her prose in Sad Cypress and then there were none. Mm-hmm. I, and I think, I, again, I think it's a testament to her diversity in, that's exact, in her ability to write. Right. That's yeah. exactly what I was going to say. She... I think she's in the mood for, I just wrote this character piece. I want to do another one of my puzzles. Mm-hmm. Because as convoluted as this book is when, and I have some things that I'm going to ask you about, some things I'm unsure about about the twist. But on paper, it is like, it is very well constructed that her mind could even figure out all this stuff to do and put into one book. Oh yeah, it felt like it had to be almost like the one person sitting around thinking all of this up. Yeah. It's like, wow. Like she made right. it harder on herself than again, it felt like an actual case. Like it felt like an actual right. murder case that would have been you would have had to have considered all of these things and not like boiled down to a 40-minute proce- police procedural like, yeah. oh, everything gets solved in a, in a day. It's like, no, this would have been a mess. <laughs> yeah, and it is. Um and that's why I think the first half is super strong where we're following that. It gets I agree with you. It gets a little overly complicated in the second half because they kind of add that assassination attempt on Blunt's life with like the gun mm-hmm. dropping in front and uh, uh, with like the Chapmans, which is like the couple that own the house that that Sainsbury Seal lives in. Because I didn't even add that layer of the plot. They think it's Sainsbury Seal, but her face is disfigured. But then when they check the dental records, it's actually Mrs. Chapman, um, Mrs. Chapman's body, who mm-hmm. she's identified as. Uh, and so that just adds two layers more of complications. Mm-hmm. And I, I I like the idea of her body not being Mrs. Sainsbury Seal. But trying to figure out about these Chapmans and then having the assassination assassination attempt on Blunt, I was I was all the way with her up until Sainsbury Seal's death. And all of the other twists and turns, they go in 
too far of directions for mm-hmm. your brain to, I think, keep hold of it. Because the first half, I was like, first half, I was like, four star book. Second half, I was like, oh, this is, she's getting a lit, she's playing mm-hmm. too much. There's mm-hmm. too many cards. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, um, so, do we want to talk about the ending? I mean, because I feel like we, I don't know that I would ever recommend this as a first read. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to see if I can even break down what the ending is. <laughs> yeah. So if you understand it the same way I do. Because it's I, one of those yeah. endings. I don't think that I would be like, oh no, everybody should... Again, same thing, which is really funny, that the way that you expressed it. Because I thought the same thing. As I was reading this, because I've read this, I think, three times. I still uh, didn't remember the ending. Yeah. And the first, yeah, the first half, it's like, wow, yeah, I would recommend this as a first read to people. And then right. I'm like, oh yeah, that happened. It gets I forgot. A bit, it gets a bit too much. And, yeah. and, and yeah. I watched the movie version with Tabby, and I don't... She... My criticism, she didn't feel the same way as she's like a first time coming to it. Mm-hmm. She still enjoyed it a lot. I think she had some things she was like, yeah, this was a bit hard to keep track of. Yeah. But overall, for someone first uh, watching it, I was surprised that she was able to still enjoy the plot as much as she could. I like what you said about the creepiness, though, because again, I still don't feel that way. But I remember, and I, I you said this before we started, that I mentioned this before, that I read this to your brother. Yeah. Uh, like at midnight on a bus trip and yeah. he was like that's really scary <laughs> like no it's not but i enjoyed the idea of like scaring it <laughs> i think even just the scene with with him with his dentist and his dentist having shot himself the next day it's just it's very real like mm-hmm. you said and that's what makes it a little more creepy when we have like these fancy schmancy people in their dinner house and then dinner right house, having dinner <laughs> in their house <laughs> This house is for dinner. In this dinner house. It, it, I guess it's easy. This is my sleep house. This is my dinner house. It's easy to put it away from us. But something like, and then there were none where we, it feels very real being trapped in this house and then Mm -hmm. dying one by one and being trapped in this with the body. Or that this, yeah, that, that, that a a sensational uh, occurrence happened with someone that you know. Right. Like, oh, that dentist, what, I was just there the other day. Or creepy So I recommended this person to to go to this dentist. Um, Someone you sat in, yeah. sat with in the waiting room is and dead the next day. As far as like, this is, I feel like there's, there's the, there's the plot, there's the 18 subplots, yeah. there's the rhyme, which is barely holding everything together. Yeah, I feel I, like she forced that. We yeah, can talk about that. Yeah, yeah. But behind all of that, the very, very core, I feel like that was the motivation for this book mm-hmm. was that this was about quote unquote ordinary people and very simple, basic human needs. Yeah. And that's what was the core of the whole thing. And that's what helps Poirot solve it. It wasn't some great political assassination. It wasn't, you wasn't about, um, you know, about one person being important to the whole country or to the whole world. Right. It was about, it was very, very personal. And he even says that at the end. Yeah. Because the, I love that scene. The, oh, me too. The, the, the culprit. I want to talk about that after we spoil it. <laughs> okay, right. I'm just going to say the culprit yeah. was like, you know, I was entitled to do this and these were little people that died right. because of me. And, and Poirot was like, I'm sorry. I don't feel that anyone deserves to have their life taken. Sorry to interrupt you, Charlotte, but this is just too important not to say. Did you know that after the age of 20, a person produces about 1% less collagen in the skin per year? And after age 30, collagen production declines dramatically. And less collagen, that leads to aging, hair loss, wrinkles, and brittle nails. Yikes. Obviously, you need collagen in your life, so why fight aging when you can avoid it altogether? 
Obvi is a fun, fresh brand of only the highest quality hydrolyzed grass-fed bovine multi-collagen peptides, and it comes in delicious flavors like fruity cereal, cocoa cereal, and my favorite, cinnamon cereal. Obvi's 200,000 customers and 45,000 Facebook group members tell them all about how they made the obvious, get it, choice with their transformations and success stories. So start your journey to glowing skin, luscious hair, strong nails, and joint support by visiting tryobvi.com. That's T-R-Y-O-B-V-I.com today. Taken away, right. and you're just as all of these people are just as important as you are, and that was, I think, her was Christie's motivation for this entire story. Exactly, I agree completely. That is, it's such a cool part about this book, mm-hmm. and and also because usually we get all important people and then some servants, but this book yeah. is about <laughs> one important person and a bunch of ordinary people. Right. Um. Yeah, I'll talk about that first. The nursery rhyme thing that always annoys me. Uh, we have the shoe buckle, which is like an important thing, but then the connections between each rhyme, because each chapter is the next part of the rhyme, so one, two, one, my shoe is like chapter one, three, three four. four, shut the door. It is so loose. Yeah. Um, and I feel, I don't know if this is true, and then there were none was the first nursery rhyme, right? Mm-hmm. And it's I think so, so. It's so big, and I feel like she imitates that. We have um, one, two, buckle my shoe, hickory, dickory, dock, pocket full of rye, some are better than others, but especially one, two, welcome, I shoot, hickory, dickory, duck. The rhyme itself has nothing really to do with the mm-hmm. story. And I could get that it is a good selling point because it's like, oh, Christy does the nursery rhyme stories. Uh-huh. But it's never as good as it was in another one. Right, because in the on the official site, the, the, like the trivia about this book, it said this was um, one in her nursery rhyme series. And I was like, I don't think she was trying to do a nursery rhyme series. Yeah, they're not connected. This is like a Poirot story in the middle of right. the run. And then there were yeah. none, you know, no detectives. Right. But, I feel but like... no, and then there were none is the only one that really, really works. Now, a pocket full, no, is it, is it a pocket full of rye? Pocket full of rye works. There was one of them that was really, really good, and I know it's later on. I can't remember. Pocket was full that of rye the works. Yeah, one with the about with the the uh, the maid dies with yeah. the clothes pin on her nose. Okay, yeah, yeah that one was full. excellent. Yeah, that one she does well because that rhyme lends itself to it. But like Hickory Dickory Dock, the mouse ran up the clock. <laughs> what are you gonna do with that? I don't know if I've even. <laughs> what are you gonna do with that? Yeah, the the Hickory nursery Dickory rhyme. Dock's a mess in general, it, but... it and it's so. It wasn't even important to Christy. You could tell that even she was just holding it together. Because, like, right. what what is it, 9, 10, a, a big fat hen or something? Right. And, and so it was, it was one lady. line of dialogue <laughs> yeah. where Poirot was like, well, that lady's fat. <laughs> yeah. like, that's all it is. Or, like, uh, what is the rhyme, like, something, um, Mazer courting? Right? Yeah. And it's, like, a couple on a date. And Poirot says, like, oh, you're courting. And they're like, is that the right word? And he's like, well, I feel like that, like... Uh, 13, 14 maids are quoted. Even Poirot was like, I gotta try to fit this in here somewhere. And what about this, huh? 15, 16 maids in the kitchen? That doesn't rhyme. 16 kitchen? Yeah, it sounds about right. <laughs> Thanks for jumping back in. For you, anytime, just, man. Just so people know that, like, Zach is doing some serious work over there. He's yeah, got was, the glasses. I was gonna he's tease got, that at the end of the He's episode, got yeah. two, like, devices set up here. He's writing he's, a rap. <laughs> Guys, I'm launching my rap career. Um, I don't know how often we make that joke. <laughs> about you being a SoundCloud rapper. It's pretty good. I just don't want people to think that, like, you're, you know, taking a nap or something. You're doing serious I wish work I was taking there. a nap. At the very end, I was going to say Zach has been so quiet because. 
And because of what's going to be in our next episode. <laughs> is that what you're doing? You're working it's on a rap, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> because I'm working on the beat right now. Rap. I'm going to be getting the, the rhymes together in a minute. I, I'm starting. I'm thinking about starting with my name is Zach, and I'm here to say, <laughs> yeah, just through jumping with that's so, like, as the classic. You've gotten and he so thinks, far, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you could rhyme kitchen in sixteen. Apparently. Well, I'm going, you know, at the end, no, I, no, I figure <laughs> it'll be nice to tie it in with a rap all about this book. You, exactly. I'm glad you've been listening then. <laughs> um, so the solution of this book, I really do like the solution of this book because like you said, it looks like it's so big and important because politics do weigh in on it. Alistair Blunt represents conservative England mm-hmm. sticking to its roots. And we have characters like Frank Carter played by... Christopher, Christopher Eccleston, Eccleston, the Ninth Ooh, Doctor the in the movie Doctor. version. Yep, pretty also, good performance. The bad guy in the G.I. Joe movie. And Thor, right? One of the <laughs> Thors he's a bad guy in? Christopher Eccleston's in one of the Thors is a bad guy. Probably the second one. Nobody likes that one. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was, because I think everybody says they waste Christopher Eccleston. So, um, what was I saying? I completely forgot. I thought it was the first one no one liked, and everyone loved Ragnarok. Ragnarok is the third one. Dark oh world. my gosh, there's three? Dark World's yeah. the second one, right? Oh Dark World's second gosh. one. Yeah, Christopher Eccleston's some elf. Yeah, he's a dark elf in that. Oh, you're right. <laughs> he's the cable Oh, there's elf. three the, of them. The first one is bleh. I've seen the first one. The second one is... <laughs> and the third one is honestly hilarious. Did you know Christopher Eccleston was in it? No, I didn't realize uh-huh. it. Because, like, I mean, I probably did when I watched it, but when I watched it, it was kind of like... I'm not really that interested yeah. in this movie. I'm just kind of watching it for watching its sake. Right. It's on Amazon Plus. And and the third one, yeah, Taika, thir- Taika Waititi did, which yeah. uh, which makes sense why it was hilarious. Yeah, it was hilarious. And it was like, <laughs> the visuals were beautiful and all yeah. that stuff. So. Okay, there was three. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but only one of them really matters. I know. And that's the only Taco, one I haven't seen. <laughs> Taco Waititi's one. Um, <laughs> love Taco. So what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christopher Eggleston. So it's... <laughs> um, Christopher Eggleston is like, you know, he's talking about people like Blunt need to go for the country to make progress. So there's yeah. like this push and pull of that. There's a lot of talk about that in this book. That's why it's quote unquote her most political story. Right. Um, so you think all the talk about that because there's an there's an attempt on Blunt's life. Blunt was around when the Bendis killed himself. You think it's this big political thing and it's superhuman. The reason why all mm-hmm. these crimes happen and it happens in such a convoluted order. So so spoilers this is the ending because i also want to talk about how the movie handles this uh-huh. he he meets they meet miss sainsbury seal for their first appointment miss sainsbury seal says oh my gosh like alistair blunt hey i knew your wife uh back in, in india, india. Yeah. and he's like oh no because alistair blunt was married to a woman and no one really knew about it it was before he was famous and then he met this really rich woman who was making moves on him so him and his wife agreed like go ahead and get married again Uh and then we'll have all this money we'll still be in love but you can be married to this like you know this woman with all this money Mm -hmm. so miss sainsbury seal when she says i knew your wife she's the only person in the world who knew his first wife right so in that moment he realizes oh i have to murder you because you're the only person who knew my... You're the only person who knows I, I uh, committed bigamy. Yeah. And that none of this money actually belongs to me because mm-hmm. we're not married and all of this money is what makes me. So they decide at that moment they're going to kill her. Uh, him and the woman who pretends to be his wife. Uh, who pretends to be his cousin, right? In the... in Yeah, it's In the book, cousin, it pretends to be his cousin. In the movie, book, it's his yeah. secretary. Um, so they, they take her to an apartment. They immediately kill her. The woman who is his actual first wife pretends to be Miss Sainsbury Seal for the rest of the book. Um, right. So then they go to the dentist the next week. 
And so Miss Sainsbury Steel's not really Miss Sainsbury Steel, it's his first wife. He <laughs> goes in there and he kills um, the dentist and and uh, pushes him in the other room and then disguises himself as the dentist. <laughs> and then Mr. Ambariotis, who had met Miss Sainsbury Steel on the boat on the way here, had learned about the extra marriage he knew. Because he was a blackmailer. He made the connection. So he was blackmailing Alistair Blunt. So Alistair Blunt, pretending to be the dentist, gives him the lethal injection. Mr. Ambariotis goes home and dies. And while all that's going on, his wife, who is the fake Miss Sainsbury Steele, is switching the dental records between so, yeah. Mrs. Chapman and... Miss um, Sainsbury Steel. So when Sainsbury they Steel. so when they find Miss Sainsbury Steel's body, they will actually think it's Mrs. Chapman, and Mrs. Chapman doesn't li- actually exist because right. Mrs. Chapman is one of the aliases of his first wife. Right. So when they find the body, it's kind of a perfect who's, plan. Whose real name at the very end of it was like Gerda or something? Yeah, it was Gerda. So and it's a perfect plan because when they finally identify the body, what can they possibly tie it to? It's this woman who doesn't exist, and they'll right. never find the real Miss Sainsbury Seal because. Yeah. She is actually the dead and body. And Mr. Chapman is supposed to be, like, in the Secret Service or something, but everybody thinks that that's, like, right. that's just a thing that she would say. And, exactly. Yeah. So the whole idea that it's <laughs> this whole big political thing, in all honesty, he does this because he wants to protect, keep his money because mm-hmm. that's where he has all his power. And it's this cool thing that Poirot breaks down because, you know, you would think, who would kill the dentist in all this situation? Yeah. Like, there had to be another way. Because it does feel a little ridiculous, but I love the way Poirot describes it. He's like, you killed the dentist because people don't matter to you. Right. Because you thought, like, okay, I need to get point A from A to B. The dentist is in the way. Right. I'm going to kill the dentist and do this. Because that's Alistair Blunt's big speech at the end. He's like, well, I'm I'm keeping, quote unquote, keeping the world safe for democracy. Like, right. I'm keeping dictators from taking over this country. Mm-hmm. And Poirot was like, but a dictator has no respect for any human life but his own. And like, how yeah, are you any right. different? Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought that was really good. And in order to explain all that, so the movie, I think the movie recognizes that the book is so overly complicated that you could never this you could never discover it. So the movie lays it out completely different. Like they it show does. you at the beginning, they show you the scene where Miss Sainsbury Seal meets them. They show you Miss Sainsbury Seal going up to the apartment to meet the first wife. These are things that you're not privy to in the book at, at that all. Time. Yeah, and the I. I felt like the movie makes it way too obvious, which I guess it's not because the ending is still really out there. But it kind no, of gives, it was it definitely gives you a leg up because you're like, well, she went up to that apartment, and it's and like, then, wait a minute, that's not the same woman, right? And you could tell that it's and not then the same she's woman like if pretending you're close enough attention, right? And she's pretending to be the um, she's pretending to be the secretary, the woman who was right. Mrs. Chapman and his first wife is also the secretary, and yeah. like you could totally tell it. And also, what they do, I never with thought that to Frank, be honest <laughs> with Frank Carter and and Rakes in in the book, Chris Rakes, <laughs> Frank Carter is a gardener and someone shoots a gun off at Alistair Blunt and then like throws it at him. And then like he picks it up like, what is this? And someone's like, Oh, and then Howard Rakes is like, I caught him. I caught him. Well, in the movie, which was really stupid, it was because there is no Howard Rakes at all. Right. Which I I feel like was a much more important character than Frank Carter. Like it really annoyed me that of the two that they had to choose from, I think Howard Rakes was much more developed in the book. Yeah. But I like Christopher Eccleston's interpretation because like you said, it was pretty much a a melding of those two. But anyway, so it's Christopher Eccleston who's like, what? Well over six foot tall, very, very yeah. wiry guy. <laughs> and then you've got this the little secretary woman who's so tiny and she's <laughs> got him by the throat and she's holding his arm and he's got the gun. She's like, I've got you now. And it was so preposterous. And Billy Piper came out and he went, run. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't Scottish. 
He is like fire burning through time. Um, so anyway, um, I feel like the movie, I still don't feel like somebody would figure out the whole plot, but it definitely gives you, because even in that, at the beginning when Sainsbury says, like, I know make your wife, like, you immediately feel like, okay, something's up with Blunt. Uh-huh. He already looks like a suspicious character. Right. Because I, after the movie was over, I asked Tabby, somebody experienced it the first time, did that give away the ending to you? And she was like, honestly, it didn't. It just kind of confused me. I was still yeah. surprised by the ending. But it definitely gives you pieces of it. Right. More and, than the book did, because in the book you have, which I kind of like, to be honest, you have no idea, because they're like, oh, okay, Miss Sainsbury Seal could very well be lying. We only know yeah. her in this tiny little context, but they're like, and so that's your first thought, is like, oh, okay, well, she was, she was faked. But then you, but then um, Jap's like, no, we looked her up, everything she said was accurate, this is a real person. You get to see it. You happen. know, Mr. and Mrs. Chapman were were real people who lived in this house, people saw them, they can vouch for them, and then how she made that come together as still being deceptive was very good, mm -hmm. and I feel like that was lost in the movie. But You could have shown those scenes, but not at the beginning. I don't feel like yeah, 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 exactly. But anyway, so... Final thoughts. You go first. <laughs> it's it's kind of a mess, but yeah, I agree with... Strangely, I thought we were going to be really, really differentiated on this one, and we all said the exact same thing. Um, we usually aren't, honestly. There's been very few books that we've disagreed on. Yeah. It was, it was fun as a puzzle. It's a very no-nonsense detective story. That's the way I wrote it down. It has a lot of humor in it, like you said. Um, Poirot's very snarky, and I feel like Jap is too. There's a lot of really good individual lines mm -hmm. that I think are great. But as far as like recommending it, it would be really hard because it is, it's a slog. Yeah. But sure. maybe maybe slog's not a right word. It's because it's not boring ever. You're just like, whoa, wait a minute. And too much info. Yeah. And you're gonna have to probably go back and read it a second time. And if you're not into that, then. You know, I'm not into reading it the first time. <laughs> we know so. Hey guys, I'm back. <laughs> For uh, another witty quip. <laughs> uh, I agree with everything you say. I, I think the plot, I'm in awe of the plot. <laughs> there are still certain points of the plot that I can't figure out. Like, I don't know how they planned all of this at the exact time that Ambariatus would be at the dentist because he had, like, an right. emergency tooth pain, so I don't know how that worked. Right. I, th I thought the same thing. <laughs> because at first I was thinking about that Miss Sainsbury seal, but Miss Sainsbury seal got an appointment at the last minute. I that feel was like part were... of the killer's plot. Right, because he's like, oh, you have to Because they messed that up in the movie. Oh, and then, yeah, and making sending the secretary away was also a really big subplot that they kept coming back to that kind of had something to do with it, but not. Just so she yeah. be gone, yeah. It, it seemed um, like it was way too much work for just, when you boil it down to the work of just two people. You d And you definitely could have... Uh, she could have trimmed the characters, and so as as awesome as I think crafted that twist is there's too much going on for it mm -hmm. to really pay off mm -hmm. i never would give this below three stars though because i still really enjoy it and the scene the the shoe buckle scene with yeah. the body and the scene between poirot and blunt like i talked about the same classic sad cypress yeah top 10 scenes yeah. they're they're high up there so mm -hmm. for that i will always give this at least three stars yeah i would say it's a solid three okay so in the three stars we just have to pick what is it better what is it worse is it at the low because we have a lot of three star books yeah at the very bottom of the three stars we have seven dials Poirot investigates i think it's way better than both of those very the highest is like death in the clouds secret of chimneys Secret Adversary, Mysterious Ferret Styles, Mystery of the Blue Train, Partners in Crime, Why Didn't They Ask Evans, Tuesday Club, Lord Edgeware Dies. I think, personally, I think it's better than 
Why didn't they ask Evans? Uh, I could never put it above Mysterious Affair at Styles, but it's kind of tied with for me with Mystery of the Blue Train. Because they kind of have similar things going on. They do. And for some reason, I really, really loved Mystery of the Blue Train. I don't know why. Maybe it was because I hadn't read it I before. It probably is better, honestly. It felt tired. like... I, I just loved that one for some reason. It's got a lot more... I don't it's, even know what the word is. It's more punchy. Of, right, and more yeah. And more enthralling. Um, it, it's kind of on par, I would say. It, is it better than Styles? Only because... You have a sentimentality about Styles, not you particularly, but collective you, like the world you. Capital Y. One has a yeah. sentimentality for Styles because it's her very, very first book, and it's the first appearance of Poirot. But and she's grown as an author, but it's not like oh, this is miles better than Styles, or Styles is miles better than this. It's a very so. different book too, and it's hard to. It is. Get. Yeah. But I think as far as plotting goes, Mysterious Fair Styles mostly doesn't have any clunk to the the plot itself. No, this is definitely is way more going on. Yeah, so probably so below. Below Blue Train and Styles, above Partners in Crime, Why Didn't They Ask Evans? Um, I mean, I really like Why Didn't They Ask Evans, but it, it, it does have cool. issues. No, 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 it's fine. I think I like it. I think it's more memorable than Why Didn't They Ask Evans, because I, I have trouble leaving Why Didn't They Ask Evans and remembering a lot of stuff, <laughs> honestly. Which is so funny that, that, that Hugh Laurie chose that one to be the one that I know, like, I'm really he excited to see so what he does to, with it. I know, me too. All right, so we have one, two, buckle my shoe at three stars. That is number twenty-one in our ranking. Woohoo! Uh, I'm not gonna go through the whole ranking because that's always stupid. We always <laughs> we still have another one. as number one. Parker Pine is number thirty-five. In the middle chunk, it's Partners in Crime. <laughs> one, two, buckle my shoe. Why didn't they ask Evans? Okay. Very cool. It's hard to rank these. The middle is always the hardest to rank. The best, worst, easy. Yeah. Middle is always hard, but but I you get I the like idea. it though. I think the middle part's fun. Like. Because it's all that minutiae that is and when been, we're, like that's keeping us in business. When we're done, we're gonna have like a six-hour episode where we go through our ranking and see if we have any change of opinion. <laughs> Zach's gonna love it. When you're done, you're gonna have a six-hour episode where you just read the the list off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So do we want? We have a big announcement for this episode. Do we want to do that at the game first? Um, I'm dying to hear this announcement. So go ahead and do it. <laughs> okay. Make it. So. Me and Zach have purchased the rights to Alvin and the Chipmunks. Exactly. <laughs> it's $300 million we're going to make it. Okay, so. Woohoo! Something that, that we. So, you guys, our fans probably know we haven't recorded in a while. So, something <laughs> that me and Tabby, because I am not good at computers, everyone kind of knows that from listening to this podcast and how well it's edited. You figured out how to plug the microphone in really good. Thanks <laughs> for letting everyone know that. You're welcome. We have been working on something that we wanted to do for the fans, and we hope that you guys really like it. And Should I pretend like I know what this is? Because you like refused to tell me before. I wanted to surprise you, too. Okay, all right. Zach knows because I kind of ran some things by him. Okay. Yeah, and I said, I don't care. <laughs> no, he said it was a good idea. This podcast sucks. <laughs> so I am essentially standing in for all of our fans You're gonna right now. You're going to be the audience. Okay. 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 Um, and so there, uh, oh, my gosh. You guys are so great. Not everything <laughs> is done yet with this thing, but I'm still going to, to show the world it because I want them to be able to start You're using it. putting it on record and saying that it's real. Because otherwise it'll never be finished. Right. <laughs> it's real. It's not completely finished, but it has everything you need for it to be what it is. So, I will show you what it is, and you can react to it. Are you ready, kids? I am ready. Aye, aye, Captain. I cannot hear you. I only keep on ready. Don't Trick the Tea, the Agatha Christie podcast, now has its very own website. <gasps> so. Yay! 
Let me take you on a little tour. I wish this was like a like I had like a headset and Zach was like way over there like singing TikTok by Kesha. TikTok on Club. So don't drink the tea. On our cover page, we're going to have where you can listen to each episode. <gasps> oh my so gosh. We're only, and we know you guys will still like probably listen on Spotify, but you can feel free to come here and listen to it. We're also going to have like little things about each book. Um, so we have wow. Up to Murder on the Red Express Part 2. You can click on the link. Oh my and gosh. go to the current episode. Listen to it here. Uh, it will also take you to Anchor or Spotify. We have the ranking, which is a tier list. A ranking of all the books that you can check out if you have a hard time visualizing how we rank each book. Oh my gosh, there's only one at four and a half stars? That's amazing. Yep, Murder at the Vicarage. So you'll you'll see we have the little covers, too. This is so. really well done, by the way. Dang, it was all tabby. I'm not it has lots of pretty colors. And we have, like, five stars. It's exactly how a tier list is, which is a lot easier to recognize. Except star? this is numbered and not S-A-B-C. Right, and, and, the, <laughs> and the place of the tiers is, is the stars that we use, because we don't want to have to change it. What has one star? Oh, Parker Pine. Parker Pine. <laughs> And so they're numbered by uh, how many books we've done so far. We're going to add one to Buckle My Shoe uh, here in the three stars when this we get home. This is so beautiful. And, of course, the most important thing is merch, baby. <laughs> That's right. We got merch. <gasps> merch! We've got Don't Drink the Tea logo hoodies. Ooh, my idea happened. We've got Don't Drink the Tea t-shirts. We've got Don't Drink the Tea aprons. Oh, my gosh. Don't Drink the Tea tote bags. Don't drink the tea baseball shirts, tie-dye shirts. We got don't drink the tea face masks. Don't drink the tea stickers. A Who Killed Danny Shaybaum t-shirt? A Who Killed Danny Shaybaum hoodie, which I really want because it looks really cool. Who, who Killed Danny, Danny Shaybaum tote bag? If you really think who killed uh, Danny Shaybaum apron, I will buy it. I guarantee it. It will be on here shortly. And there That will be- is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I am having one of those... Uh, Baseball tees. There will be more things on here. There's probably going to be things for whenever, if ever, it gets a fan base on the road with Josh and Zach. And you better believe there's going to be hot tub hour reviews. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's going to be a growing site as time goes on, but we have uh, like a starter for you guys to go check out. I And so our fans, by the time they hear this episode, are already going to know about it because I'm going to post this on Instagram today. Uh, so Woo-hoo! by the time this episode comes out, you may already be wearing your Don't Drink the Tea tie-dye t-shirt, or <laughs> carrying things in your Don't Drink the Tea tote bag, or cooking with your Don't Drink the Tea apron. We hope you are, and I hope that you're enjoying the Don't Drink the Tea website. That is fantastic. I, we really need to have, like, cast, though, with fake bios. We really, really need oh, that yeah. tab. That's a good idea. We're going to have a <laughs> fake tab pictures, where we, fake we bios. tell you all about us. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be like me, and it's that a is really exciting. <laughs> I thought look pretty much the same. I yeah. was trying to guess what you were gonna announce, mm-hmm. um, and I was get, I thought you were gonna say like we had made like a, a, a round dollar figure off of Anchor <laughs> that it was gonna be like we like we we've made fifty dollars and it was gonna be a oh. big deal. Uh, wow. <laughs> but that is awesome. Thank you, thank you. I'm glad. Really, exciting. I hope all the fans enjoy it. I hope you guys all get merch. Uh, I and I'm, I'm most excited about the tier list, honestly, because now it actually like looks good. It does. It really. It, <laughs> I am instead I of my word document. I gotta say, your word document would be fine, but everything is highlighted in dark red, <laughs> and that <laughs> really throws me off every time it's, I look at it. All looks like they're bad. But it's still such a, a big step up from, from the notebook, like, the scratched out list where like everything was like back to back lined up, and there was no room. Only to, like... made sense to me and Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> 
I remember berating Josh for weeks about that note. I cried myself. Yes. Every yes. Day. I was so glad you did because I wanted to say something, but I'm always the bad guy, so I was so glad that well, you did. Well, it was just by the time we got to this point... Josh would be writing pages of notebooks every time because he would rewrite the list. <laughs> you like did an intervention, one. like like Josh. I, you see what you're doing? It's not working. Josh, <laughs> you're wrong, and I'm sorry. But I do that every day of my life. Still, I love writing at like at work. I write down what I'm gonna do every day on a notebook on a new page, even though I don't need to do that. I just like doing that, and yeah. I'm the only one who can ever read it. Right. Because I'm a psychopath. And he, you wrote it in Yiddish. And it's, I wrote it in Yiddish. But it is better so when we're, of... we're all doing this for me to have it in a, in a visual visual aid that makes sense. And also because there there were several times you forgot the notebook. Exactly. <laughs> and when the notebook wasn't here, that happened podcast too. didn't yeah. happen. But yes, and it's really nice. It has a, a great, like... Signs of a genius. Appeal to, like, it makes Welcome sense. Welcome to that, can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> It makes sense for everyone. Everyone can access this. But yeah, I understand what you mean. Yeah. Like, and it's it's some sort of weird thing that happens in a, in someone's brain. I think it, a part of the creative side of your yeah. brain is when you have to write stuff out that only makes sense to you, your own code, and it like, wasn't on secret. envelopes or something. I mean, no, no, no. It's just how it makes sense. I to wanted you. you guys to know. It's not like I'm like a 15 year old girl with a secret language diary or anything like that. I wanted no, no, no. To say it just comes out that way. What we don't have a logo that we own. We don't have a logo that we own for Zach Can't Wait for Kevin Can Wait. We know we have some very creative <laughs> fans out there. So if you would like to design a logo for Zach Can't Wait, <laughs> yes! Kevin Can Wait, and submit it to us, we will be happy to review it and see what we can get on the website. I hope Woo-hoo! it's one with my own face on it, and that way I can wear a shirt that is also of me. <laughs> well, the current logo is the, the Kevin Can Wait poster, but with your, my face. With your spunky face on it. And We're I just actually on that we extra can't small that on women's shirt. shirt. <laughs> yeah. I don't dress. feel like we can put that on a t-shirt. But, How about just uh, the full picture of me? And that's like Zach can't wait for Kevin Kelly. It's just that picture for me in that really small T-shirt, <laughs> and that you're a bitmoji dabbing beneath it. Oh yeah, yeah, on <laughs> fire, like fire. <laughs> okay. It's pretty sweet. Anyway, that and the album the Chipmunks thing is the announcement. Woohoo! Uh, why don't you go off for your game? Uh, game. Yes. Oh, and then we I have a have cool a announcement on what's going to happen next time. <laughs> yes. Uh, game. No. Um, I told myself, and I always do, I say, this episode's going to be a pretty short one. And it is not. <laughs> I remember last time we talked about it, we were like, we'll make it pretty short. It's coming next. And... Yeah. Oh, boy. This one's two hours? Let's go ahead and talk about what's going to be since she's gone. The next episode is going to be another uh, one of Zach's... Ooh. Another one of Zach's... Bull- it's, is it the Wheel of Mythicality? <laughs> Zach, wait. Yes, sorry. I'm telling everybody. It's another one of Zach's beloved tabletop... RPGs. Woo! RPGs. I am so excited. We are really excited. I think it's going to be awesome. It's going to be and great. It's going to be even better than the last. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fair. Uh, we're playing on a, on a real game system I'm sorry. This time. I don't know how it could be better than the last one. I mean... Uh, he has well, it on his iPad, and it, uh, <laughs> it's not on a notebook, so I don't think it's going to be better. I have an iPad, a laptop, a sketch pad, and a notebook. Okay? <laughs> Thank you very much. I feel you like are looking a, so pro, and I you made like your own dice thing. Yeah. Which I've, actually looks like an above-ground pool. I love it. I bought so many dice for this. Last time I rolled he's dice on the, my phone. He's in the hole. 80 bucks on dice. <laughs> yeah, 80 bucks. Sure. <laughs> you, uh, I feel like in another life you could be like one, like 
uh, Russell T. Davies, one of those people who runs a, a giant show like Doctor Who or Star Trek or something, with all of these things going on. Yeah. Like, not even, it doesn't even have to be, like, creative, but you have, like, the mind to be able to have all these things going on. He's yeah. a world builder. Structure, yeah. Oh, I, well, thank you. I don't feel that way, but... <laughs> you always say that when we compliment you. Like, I remember the, the Mystery of the Three Adjectives episode where I say Zach is funny. Like, that's his thing here. And he's like, I don't really feel that way. <laughs> it's like, that's your whole <laughs> role know, on the show. Is, that is a total INTP thing, though, is the complete inability to agree with others. Right. I could be like... Well, you're wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's the game? What? Game. game. The game. Oh, yes. So this game, I ha- when we don't first... How many years ago? How many years ago did we start this? Six. So did the tea? Six. Two. <laughs> Forever. Two years. Two years ago. Two years ago. Two years. Um, I got freaked out about um, having a game with every single episode, and I thought I would run out of ideas, so I wrote down a whole bunch of stuff to, like, oh. just save it for the future, save it for the future. That's smart. But this game would never, ever work because I could never find, like, the essential piece of equipment that I needed, the wheel of which the was the spinny wheel. Hamster wheel. So this spinny wheel that we have <laughs> We is... got a podcast pad. It's a hamster. <laughs> Um, the game this... is who can teach it to poop in the in the corner. <laughs> no. so the this is compliments of Tom and Marlene at Wordplay Wordplay Bookstore Wordsville. Thank you Wordplay. I've never worked for you, and I never will. <laughs> but they had a spinning wheel, so that I wanted to get the sound. But I don't want to. <laughs> Like, why would you not interested. <laughs> I don't like books, and I'm not nice to strangers. Never will. <laughs> I like the idea that if someone comes to this podcast not knowing that we have worked for them, yeah. just thinking that's like randomly say like, "Thank you, Best Buy. I no never worked for you, and I never never will. will. Never will. <laughs> okay. That would be like it's a dream job for Josh and I, but like the single worst job that could ever happen. No, for you. the single worst job that could happen for me is. Elephant poop scooper. Elephant poop scooper, maybe funeral home director, probably. There's I think a lot you would of s- enjoy that more than a bookstore. No, though. there's a lot of sad. <laughs> no. Well, there's a lot of sad people at a bookstore too. That's true. That's what you don't like about the funeral home is the sad people. Well, Not like the dead people. Well, the dead people. I mean, <laughs> you're so I have a, <laughs> I have a technicality question for you, Zach. Um, like, because so so we get the nice uh, sound bite with the chicky chicky thing. But if I set it, if I set it down on here. Will it like rattle and pick up something? Like, Let's do, find do we out. want to try it? Okay, yeah. so and the, I'll tell you if the answer is yes or if the answer is no. So this game is inspired by something that Zach you told me about this something on YouTube called um, Metal in Inappropriate Places, which is where <laughs> someone plays heavy metal music in like a library or a the kitchen de- the or dentist the dentist. Office. Yeah, I don't know how to play in metal the middle of a wedding. <laughs> no, no, no. It's okay. So this game Flirt is called. Christy in inappropriate, inappropriate places. places. So you have a wheel with two colors here. We have, and you should take a picture of this for Instagram because yes. I'm really proud of this. Um, <laughs> and you have two colors here. What, what color is that, Zach? We're having uh, a debate here. Reddish pinkish? It is reddish pinkish Blue? and then yellow. <laughs> so, so Okay, well, real quick. <laughs> Wait, let me take a picture of the dice too. What? Yellow versus orange. See now he's he's kind of right. Although this is a lemon lime. It kind of oh my that kind of looks like sharp cheddar cheese orange yellow. <laughs> yeah, that's not orange though. So, <laughs> yeah, because sharp cheddar is a bit orange. Yeah, you're right. So right. I can never. I'm not one to argue about color though. I have to. You literally are the only person. Right. <laughs> I remember you had an argument about what color somebody's dress was one. That day. was before I kind of had had. The revelation that you were slightly colorblind. Right, and so today when he showed me this dice and said, like, no, it's orange, I didn't really argue with him. I was just, like, shocked that, like, oh, that looked really yellow to me. So I'm trying to find 
where I wrote down what has to come first. But anyway, so uh, one thing. Wow, you remember the yellow. notebook, but you don't remember the page number, huh? <laughs> On the, so the yellow, I think it's the yellow, is like traditional Christie storylines. Okay. And then the other color, whatever it might be, and people can debate this, it's like blue dress, gold dress, or whatever, um, is going to be an unusual place for Christie to be acted out. Okay. So, and it's going to be your guys' job to improvise oh, this no. scene. So let's just get a test on how the sound I would, if it I makes would move it. all of the feet on the table. <laughs> I thought they were. I'll, I'll put our feet on the but table. But just that for, for the, like... Foam that's underneath of it. That probably okay. stopped it. Put on so, some socks. Do you want to see how it sounds? Yeah, go for it. It's fine. It, it doesn't make a terrible noise. No, okay. it's not like rattling the thing. Okay. See, a real podcast so, would have figured that out. Before. I just have to. <laughs> I have to see which one's which because I genuinely can't remember. This is so horrible. Okay. Yes. So, Josh, you spin first, okay. and you have to pick. It, it has to land. You have to pick a, a red one first. <laughs> okay. So if it doesn't land, I have to spin again. Yes. So. Okay. There okay. we go. So take that off and tell us what it says. Uh, 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 uh. It says the ABC murders. Okay. So Zach, you spin and pick a yellow, and then we're gonna see where you guys have to act out ABC murders in what scenario. Oh, but I don't know what happens in that. I know a lot of people die. You just improvise. <laughs> see, Josh is gonna lead with you know like, yeah. Little kids on a playground. So the ABC murders as little kids on a playground. Ready? And go. Hey, Josh. Yeah, hey, Jack. Hey, Josh. Yeah, Jack. Um, I just I was in school learning my ABCs. <laughs> Would you like to hear how they go? No, thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I was playing Game Boy, uh -huh. and then I got a level with the with uh, level with Mario jumped, and he went vroom. <laughs> wow! Can you show me? <laughs> I killed him! <laughs> Excellent. Good job. Oh, First boy. rule of improv always say yes. <laughs> no, thank you! <laughs> well, that's what a kid would say. No more kids are just in the Not anymore. Kids well, see, would say, sad though because Zach had like an actual tie in with ABCs and little kids, and you're like, nope, shut up. I already had this plan with Mario. <laughs> no, I didn't have that. Okay, that plan. so spin again. Alrighty. <laughs> Alright. Red is blue. Oh. Murder on the Orient Express. Zach. <laughs> In space. There's a mummy. On here and it's killing people. Well, I'm so frightened. <laughs> Don't be frightened. I'm the doctor. I'm the old doctor. I've got bit. so much guilt. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they. That's why the mummy got them, right? Well, because they had guilt. Yeah, because they were felt. Like, they, they were guilty about something. No, wasn't it he picked off people who... I don't think it's guilt. I thought he picked off people who were the weakest. Because remember, he killed the old lady first, and then the, he went after the daughter. He's like, I never told anybody I had a heart defect. Remember that? <laughs> no! <laughs> no! I'm pretty sure that's what No, I mean. thank you! I'm pretty sure it was... I think it's the guilt thing, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I've actually seen this episode. <laughs> it's the guilt because, like, they had all done something wrong. Yeah, because wasn't one of them a soldier who'd let somebody die? Yeah, yeah. No. And the doctor, <laughs> the doctor at one point takes 
the feeling of guilt from the one girl yeah. puts him on himself, so yeah. the mummy will go to him, right. and then he solves. Oh, I think you're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Good well, job. <laughs> Again, you were leading I, so I'm, strong. No, I remember Josh uh, is I'm, like, shut it I'm down. I'm remembering what I they... I can't work like this. <laughs> I'm remembering what they think, uh, what they they thought it was before. Oh my gosh. Right. Um, but that's, that's the easy way out. Right. <laughs> so Trust me, I'm basically Russell T. Davies, okay? <laughs> Alrighty. You guys want to try again? I can't find that. This time I'm going to let you lead. Okay. Alright. Spin. Right. Oh, I thought we were doing that one again. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he was ready, though. That one, the, the, he killed that one, sorry. Oh, God. I broke the wheel. Murder of Roger Aykroyd. What happens in that one? That's the one where the narrator does. Yeah. Spoilers. Spoilers. Oh, Zacky did it. <laughs> Seinfeld episode. Boom, boom, bam, bing, bam. Who am I gonna be? <laughs> Up to you. You be Kramer. I'll be Kramer. Sorry. Oh, Jerry! <laughs> what are you doing in my house? <laughs> <laughs> Kramer, those aren't words. I'm just here to eat cereal. <laughs> Don't you know there's been a murder? Where? Over Jerry. there, on the couch. Jerry. There's been a murder on my couch. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> wow! I think I may have killed him. I think I may be a murderer. Jerry, we can hide the body. <laughs> Where are we going to hide it? Newman's. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I was dating him. I really liked him. Oh, you didn't like him. He always whistled through his teeth. <laughs> oh, he did do that. Yeah, I'm glad he's dead. I'm going to go join a marching band. <laughs> Accurate, accurate. Okay. I just felt like that was something Kramer would do. How that was the best Kramer impression. How many of these are we doing? Are we doing all of them? You gotta do all of them because I thought them up I'm gonna two years ago. Some of these, and then there were none. And okay. now that one. Go ahead. <laughs> Woo! Landed on a yeller this time. I landed on a yeller last time too. I knocked <laughs> it off again. In a Marvel movie. What's up? I'm Captain America. <laughs> What's up? I'm Hulk. <laughs> What's that above me? <laughs> oh no, Captain America. Now there's only nine m- Avengers. <laughs> Marvel people. What's up? I'm Hawkeye. <laughs> Hi, Hawkeye. You're like the worst of us. Zoom! Ah, an arrow in my chest. How ironic. <laughs> oh no. Am I going to be the Hulk the whole time? <laughs> Wait, I'm a Black uh, Widow and uh, I make it to the end. Let me take my heart medication. <laughs> oh no, I'm having a Hulk heart attack! Oh! Uh, oh no, Hulk! I'm Tony Stark! <laughs> this is the worst! <laughs> my electric suit will bust me! Hey guys, I'm Spider Man. My aunt's hot now. <laughs> cool, bro. I'm Ned from the same movies. I'm your best friend. <laughs> You're Neo. Okay. <laughs> You're one of the Avengers now? No, no I'm just, is, I'm just hanging out. In a Marvel Wait, movie. Is Ned the murderer? Ned's probably the murderer. Ned, did you murder people? That's not cool. Yeah, because they knocked over my Lego Death Star. You're not going to kill Zendaya, are you? Well, probably not. She has to do the second second uh, Dune movie. I, hope I don't want her to... I, you know, I need to see that one. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. scene. That, was, that one was pretty great. Man, yeah. we're really bombing on the improv game. <laughs> what do you mean? I died as four Avengers. That's doing well, amazing. Three Avengers and Ned. That's true. And Ned. 
Hey, uh, one, two, buckle my shoe, which is dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Real spit in the wheel there. Yeah, 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 we're getting there. Yeah. The Old West. Okay, I'll be honest, I didn't listen to anything that happened in one, two, well, buckle my we'll shoe, so you're going to have to leave. Let's just do a dentist visit in the Old West. Well, <laughs> sit <laughs> on down, Burl. <laughs> 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 All right, I'm going to need to, you to bite down on my big toe so you can perform the dental surgery. I don't know how I'm going to get my teeth down there and my hands up there, but I'm going to try my well, best. Well, don't you have one of them there... What are they called? The women in the bar? <laughs> what? What are the women in the old time? You we don't have no women here. <laughs> <laughs> All our women died. <laughs> ah, the black plague. <laughs> Let me take a look at them teeth for you. <laughs> well, you didn't tell me they're just a bunch of corn niblets. What happened in corn cob? <laughs> Okay, well, I'm gonna have you got a cavity in one of these, I'm gonna have to remove it. Get big toe first. <laughs> and see. I was about to say, it's like, Zach, you, you need to kill Josh. Josh, there's only two left. You don't need no. to spit it. <laughs> For the noise. Oh, okay. Uh, any Miss Marple? Oh, we got a range there. Oh, I don't know any of them. <laughs> We've only done one. Pizza delivery. So I'll be the pizza boy, you be Miss Marple. Okay, keep it clean. <laughs> Hello? I've got a sausage pizza here. <laughs> and see. <laughs> I can't. Any puzzle outcome would just get you, worse. <laughs> you started it with keep it clean. I could not. I wasn't thinking that until you said it. Okay. I can't imagine anything I could have said that would have led you in the right direction there. <laughs> It's not my fault Miss Marple likes one kind of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> she only likes something. Yeah. Well, that's a good game, Charlotte. Was that all of them? They're yeah, all yeah. gone? Oh, wow. Good we job, really blitzed guys. through them. Especially <laughs> that last one. <laughs> yeah. Thank you again to Tom and Marlene for this Thank lovely you, Tom sound. Marlene. And I'm sorry that I, I messed up some of your improvs. It's all right. You know, I, I'm really great at world building, but not so much at improv. I thought the, it, it was fantastic, and it had nothing to do with Agatha Christie, but that's okay. <laughs> but it, is, it is a little bit challenging, considering the only Zach only knows the movies he's seen. <laughs> right. And he doesn't remember. Because <laughs> as, as soon as Zach steps out of the room where he was watching but, a movie, it, he completely But Zach has, like, any movie. I figured Zach would be, like, you know, the sense of place hmm. for each one. Well, the problem and is Zach be... has never been in any of these places. <laughs> He's never been to site. I've house. never been to a, a dentist. Right. That was, an, that was an amazing Kramer. And I, the only thing that could be better than your Kramer was your pizza delivery guy. We're not going to go into that. With one line. That's all he needed. <laughs> Zach Kramer, to be fair, is always a little more intense than Kramer actually is. Because it's always like this. <laughs> well, I, a little bit of a merge George and Kramer. Though. I haven't seen... Uh, uh, Seinfeld in a while. Hmm. So my Kramer impersonation is just based off the most intense memories of Kramer. Right. <laughs> the ones that really stick with you. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it was it was excellent. I, as uh, I think it's more an physical. impartial passerby. It was it was really good. Yeah, because he had to bring that physicality to to radio. Right. And that's yeah, why you could, I went. <laughs> you could, you could hear him sliding through the door. <laughs> I did do a little slide. But I was wearing headphones, so it was a very little slide. Yeah, he almost <laughs> hung himself. Well, I don't, I don't know about anybody else, but that was really fun for me. <laughs> thank you, thank you. 
Um, so the next book that we're going to be reading is oh yeah because I never um, know and I ask you about eight times between each episode and I share with you the doc that tells you girl oh he did <clears throat> I don't so remember where that is because remember back in the day you would always be like what they saying you saying you said but now I'm completely blood free you know maybe <laughs> <I> know blood. <laughs> blood free <laughs> I gotta say maybe my Kramer impersonation wasn't that great but your Charlotte impersonation was spot on <laughs> thank, you. thank you my my strong skills are Jerry and Charlotte. <laughs> Where's the next book? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like every Wednesday Seinfeld depression is exactly the same. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's low hanging fruit, but it's yeah. okay. Um, uh, yeah, I should uh, find that. Uh, no, don't don't tell me. Tell tell the good people, and I'll find out for myself. Oh yeah, you won't hear it when I say it. No, I'm not listening. I'm the not book. Listening. I'll edit it in. The book is <laughs> Evil Under the Sun. Oh really? Is, I thought it was NRM. NRM is after Evil Under the Sun. Oh well, according to AgathaChristie.com. I took it from agathachristie.com. Are you you messing with me right now? No, I'm sorry. I I honestly thought that's what it said. Well, uh, again, the problem is with books that came out the same year, a lot of the times the... When you're trying mm. to list them chronologically, it doesn't really know. So those books. So it doesn't really matter. matter. But we are going to do Evil Under the Sun next. I have Evil Under the Sun next okay. on my list that I took from AgathaChristie.com. Okay. The next book is yes, uh, 1941's Evil Under the Sun, which is one of my favorites. It's a it's very, very a good book. pretty big deal. It's a big deal. <laughs> and uh, but before that, the reason why Zach has been so uh, quiet before he uh, took on the he, he took on the soul of Kramer, Cosmo Kramer. Uh, is that next time he's going to be doing his uh, uh, RPG. And Woo-hoo. we're super excited about that. We know nothing about he's, it. He's impersonating Ruth Bader Ginsburg? It's RPG. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get that. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so until then, we will uh, catch you later. How long, how long ago did we stop this? <laughs> I'm, I'm never yes, it's still going. <laughs>